This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Well, we're back. It's a uh, lovely Sunday morning. Eddie and I are taking the show here to discuss uh, something we've seen many times before. Um, a bad second period in the Ducks' 5-4 loss to the Arizona Coyotes last yeah. night, Eddie. Not, uh, not a great one. A game that I kind of felt, probably everybody felt like they should have won. They had three two-goal leads, 2-0, 3-1, 4-2, two, and uh, just fall apart for, what, two minutes in the second period? Really, two minutes, because they score and then two two back-to-back goals get them buried and uh, they go into the third period tied almost lose it probably should have lost it if we get to that eventually and uh and then obviously lose it in overtime so yeah they get a point but uh another brutal second period is really what did them in in this one yeah i don't know what to say about that second period other than it was just something we've seen time and time again man Uh, they can't hang um it wasn't like it was an egregiously bad second period right like we're just they were completely dominated it was just a a couple of i don't know falling asleep at the wheel plays by the ducks i felt like uh i was at the game so i didn't get a chance to to watch it on television see a ton of replays but just giveaways um larson had a tough game tonight uh you know i don't think he looked amazing or anything and we saw one of the young kids the other uh last game mahura had a tough game so um in mistakes here and there, but it's just got to be something the Ducks can clean up. And to be able to score yeah. five goals as the 30th-ranked team, or four goals as the 30th-ranked team if you're Anaheim, I don't know where the Yotes sit on there, but they're down at the bottom too. you got to tighten defense up here. No, for sure. And, um, I mean, they, they mentioned it. You can, obviously, you didn't get to see the broadcast, but you can assume the Ducks broadcast mentioned that about 50 times last night, that these were two of the lowest-scoring teams and that you uh, saw a nine-goal thriller, as they called it. So, <laughs> yeah, they, they mentioned that a lot. But, yeah, it, it's tough because the Ducks hadn't scored goals in the last four games. They'd scored four goals over those, those last four, <clears throat> and they managed five in, or four in this one. Uh, against an Arizona team who's not that great defensively, but has a great uh, penalty kill as well. So it, it's kind of a mystery, kind of one of those games where you, you seem to pit the two lowest scoring teams together and they end up putting up a lot of goals. And for the Ducks, that's kind of been the thing this year where they've been able to put up goals in some games and you see a long stretch where they just can't do anything. Well, I mean, the good news is John Gibson's back. We know that uh, that he's not hurt at this point. 
he he was able to make the start last night without issue the whole game. Um, at, there was a, at times where he had to make some pretty darn good saves against the Coyotes, which is come to expect it from this Anaheim team. Um, it's just disappointing. Aiden Hill was in net because Antti Ranta is pretty much out the rest of the year with an injury. So I've never heard of Aiden Hill. I don't know how good he is. I just know he robbed my boy Hampus Lindholm. Uh, I believe that was in the third period, and that was when the game was tied 4-4. So that was unfortunate. But uh, good to see a couple of things here, man. It's not all negative. The Ducks do get a point out of this in overtime. I mean, Daniel Sprong with a beautiful goal on the power play, might I say, I know, right? a power play goal. <laughs> a good one, too. Not one that uh, tips in off somebody or it's a point shot that nobody can see. It's actually a good setup for, for a nice goal, too. And we can get into that in a minute, but we got to talk about how this game got kicked off, man, because that was all about, uh, about Andre Kasha. Just getting a little flip feed from Nick Ritchie. Wow. I don't know, man. Nick Ritchie put up a couple points in tonight's game. I felt that he had a pretty solid game. He stayed out of the box, which is also a miracle because this game had some nasty points in it. But uh, let's go through that first goal there from Andre. Yeah, I mean, now with this goal and the goal he had later in the game, he's now tied for the team lead in, in a, a lot less games than Pontus Ivers <laughs> played for the Ducks so far. But, yeah, I, I mean, early on, the Ducks were already buzzing. And uh, Kasha, anytime he gets on the breakaway, you can bet probably 90% of the time he's going to go forehand, backhand, which he does. Uh, Aiden Hill's never seen Andre Kasha before. Andre Kasha's never seen Aiden Hill before. Right. First shot of the game, uh, Kasha introduces himself pretty well and uh, goes to the patented forehand, backhand, puts it past him, gets the nice jump celly against the boards too. And it's great. Patented Andre Kasha, again, using his speed to create opportunities, and he throws it in the back of the net. No, it was great. We had just sat down in our seats when that happened, and it happened right in front of us, so that was awesome. I was like, holy hell, this game's going to be crazy, and it turns out that it's going to be that for the rest of the way. Uh, and the Ducks are able to get another one on the board here in the first period, too, so it's it's just making me feel so good the whole night just to end in a heartbreak at the end. Uh, it, it was that was a tough ending, but the game was fun, man. I got to yeah. say, the game was pretty fun to watch. and uh... It was. It was. It, it was disappointing, but it, it was more fun. I mean, look at the last four losses before this. Uh, Those were boring games. Yeah. They couldn't get anything going. At least they do get a point, and it was a, a pretty decent game, and the, and the goals were good. Andre Cash's goal was good. Silverberg's goal was a, a spinorama no-look pass to Daniel Sprong, like you said, on the power play, and he wires it home. And uh, that was probably one of the best power play goals we've seen from the Ducks in a long time. Because the, the last ones we've seen generally have been lucky goals or they've gone in off somebody or, you know, this was actually a good setup, something we've been looking for. Finding a trigger man just so happens to not be anybody we've mentioned before to be the trigger guy, happens to be the second power play unit and begs the question, which we'll get to later, does Daniel Sprong maybe deserve to be on the top unit if he's going to be a guy who can put those shots in the back of the net? Maybe. Uh, maybe. I mean, that the puck almost went in. I forgot he had the initial shot from the point that it was tipped and hit the inside of the post. And the way my seats were it, yeah. in the lower bowl, it, it, people thought it went in because the way it bounced and came out from behind Aiden Hill. People were like, oh, I was there, freaking out. And then they didn't have to worry about that because, like you just said, Silverberg does the spin around and finds Sprong for the one-timer who just – that was a bomb of a shot. There was no way in hell that uh, Hill was going to save that one. So that was that was awesome, man. It was great to see him get a power play goal. It was great to see Sprung get a goal that wasn't on the goal line. So uh, yeah. that's another thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, man, I, I don't know how you felt about this. I'm sure everybody in the building was upset because you could kind of hear it even just from on TV. But the, the Coyotes would get a power play, and then Monta would get a questionable cross-checking call. Okay. Which would give – yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, I knew you'd be upset about this one. Okay, so. first of all, it was not a trip from Ryan Getzloff. In my yeah. opinion, that was not a trip. I don't think that that – it was close. They, they tried to say, I think, that his foot – like swung in and took down. I think it was Richard Panic got taken down by Ryan Getzloff yeah. at center ice. But it, it, ugh, I mean, come on, Getzloff's a big dude, and uh, he's able to muscle guys a bit. And so what? Not even a minute into the power play, it's like fifty six or fifty six seconds left in the power play is when Brandon Montour apparently cross checks his cross checks Clayton Keller, but Clayton Keller has a hold of his stick. From what I could see, did the broadcast show that too? Yeah, he grabs his stick it, yeah. and he's pulling him down on top of him. I don't get it, man. That was very disappointing uh, when it comes to refereeing here. And I'm not one to like trash referees. I'm not that kind of fan because honestly, I mean, you have to play your game and, and get by that sort of ad- adversity. So they're not going to blame the loss on the referees. But that was brutal, dude. Everyone in the building was flipping out, especially when they showed it on the jumbotron. It was just like whole crowd goes nuts in that part. So that was an awful call by the refs there. No, and then on the power play, luckily they don't score on the two-man advantage. It was pretty close. They mm-hmm. were doing everything they could to set up Galchenyuk. He missed the net twice, hit the post, and then right, I think it was a couple seconds after their uh, first power play expires, uh, Galchenyuk feeds Ekman Larson on a D-to-D pass, and he rips a one-timer past Gibson. Lindholm providing the screen in front. He goes to block it. He does that infamous two-skate block where you kind of put your feet together and just kind of yeah. turn into the puck, Pray to God. I hate because it doesn't really do anything. He ends up hurting Gibby in the end by screening him. Gibson can't see it. It is a great shot. Kind of reminded me of Burns' shot in the last game where it's right in the far corner. I think it even goes in off the post too, so not much you can really do on that one, but just tough because it probably should have – it shouldn't even have happened, honestly. It shouldn't have been a 5-on-3. They shouldn't have had that much space, uh, but they get one back late in the first period. Yeah, I could live with the questionable call on Getzloff. Because I get it. His foot ends up hitting Panic's foot, skate to skate, and he falls. I understand that's the way it goes. But that that second call on Brandon Montour, I mean, I guess you could say when he fell, it looked like he gave Keller another check. But when you see Keller's pulling his damn stick on top of him, I don't know, man. The refs aren't perfect, but that was, that was tough. That was a tough one. Ke- and Yeah. Keller should have gone for embellishment, if anything. Like, if you're going to call Montour for that, then give Keller some sort of embellishment penalty for holding the stick or give him a holding the stick penalty mm-hmm. and, and send them back, both off. You get uh, coincidental minors, and then it's a 4-on-3 power play instead of a 5-on-3. No, I agree with that, man. But, uh, I mean, that was pretty much it for the rest of the first period because that was such a late goal. Uh Decent first period from the Ducks, barring that late goal, and, and it really wasn't their fault that it ends up getting a five on three that that really hands the the Coyotes a goal in the first period. But they come out in the second. Usually, you would think a late goal, you'd be like, oh, they're going to come out deflated. They're not, you know, it's going to be all Coyotes. They're going to have all the momentum going into the second period. Well, the Ducks win the faceoff. They dump it in. Nick Cousins whiffs on the puck. Nick Ritchie's there hard on the forecheck, which we've seen a lot from him this year, which has been pretty impressive. And he throws a backhand no-look pass to Adam Henrique, who's wide open, and he fires it home. And that's two quick goals within the first minute of each period, something we haven't seen. And uh, just a great effort from the Ducks to jump out after a disappointing goal to allow in at the end of the first and get back in it. Yeah, and wasn't this reviewed for offsides? Like, they went back and reviewed this. It made it 31 yeah. Anaheim, and the refs come back, and it plays under review. And we were watching on the Jumbotron. I don't know what they were saying on the broadcast, but it looked like what they were trying to say is, when was the puck 
attempted to be cleared from the zone by Cousins, right? And that yeah. it hit the same, that it hit the stick of Nick Ritchie as he was swinging forward, or like who was offside? I, I don't know. It was confusing as hell watching the jumbotron without anyone trying to explain what they were looking at because the play happened so quick that I mean, everyone us, all of us, and everyone else in the stands didn't even notice that that was the play. It's hard to tell when you're at the arena. Um, was that was that kind of what they were looking at there on that one? Yeah, it, it was even confusing on the broadcast too to what they were really looking at. You you couldn't really tell because you look at it, it didn't really look offside, but it was because he was trying to clear the puck. I couldn't really even tell looking at it what they were trying to determine when offside. It wasn't really a long review either. They they had a couple reviews tonight for a, a couple different things, but uh, on that one, yeah, I I couldn't really tell what they're going at. Even you know Allers and Haywood were a little bit confused to what they were doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, luckily. It didn't. It didn't end up getting called back because it would have been kind of ridiculous to call it back for that. No, I agree. It was close as hell, though. So that was nice to see them get the lead. Um, I guess the unfortunate thing here is it was all Coyotes the rest of the way. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and 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 the thing is, the next goal is so so crap. Like it's it's so unlucky because we've seen this a couple times, and you would think, you know, the Ducks play here enough, you think they would know the boards can produce a couple crazy bounces we've seen it a couple times but it's actually come back to hurt the ducks sometimes it's been to their favor where labushkin never heard of this guy before but coyotes defenseman takes a slap shot basically just clearing the puck into the duck zone it takes a bounce off behind the net gibson comes out to play the puck because he thinks it's going to wrap behind the boards it takes a weird bounce right out of course to christian fisher who has an empty net and he throws it into the empty net i mean nothing you could do on that one stay in your net I hate I this guess. shit. I hate this from yeah. goalies. Stay in your net. Yeah. Unless the puck... Yeah, because what was he going to do? Pin it against the boards? It was a hard slap shot. He's not going <laughs> to be able to Gibby actually... Gibby wanders it. so much. I love John Gibson, but that I've always hated goalies coming out and playing the puck. Unless you're... I don't know. I mean, who? unless you're a Marty Turco for playing the puck, right? Back in the day, Turco was always a notorious you know, puck-playing uh, goaltender. Or like a Martin Brodeur, right? And even, that, even bad things happen to them. Gibby is not... A a well known like great puck handling goaltender. He just stay in your net, dude. You do everything amazing yeah. in that four by six. You needed to stay in that area because leaving the crease like that. I hate that stuff, dude. I wish Jace was on the show because he would rip me for this. But I I can't stand <laughs> when goalies wander, man. Stay in your yeah, net. Yeah, well, listen. I don't think we're saying it, it was John Gibson's fault. It was. But... It was his fault. Don't leave your net. He left his net. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even even if he stays in. And just looks behind. It's still going to take that crazy bounce. <laughs> still going to go to Kristen Fitcher, who's likely going to get a shot all along. Right. Maybe not in a wide open net, but he's still going to get a chance. And Gibby needs to stay in his net on those plays where you, it's a 50-50 chance. He's, even, even if it doesn't take that bounce, there's no guarantee that he's actually going to be able to get his body in front of it and stop it from going around the boards. It, it wasn't a, a soft play where he can just play the puck and wrap it around. It was a hard puck that was going to hit high on the boards mm-hmm. and then either hit him in the chest and drop down. You might as well just let that one go around and let one of your players take it out. But, uh, you know, like you said, it was all Coyotes. From there, continued to be all Coyotes. Uh, but the Ducks somehow get a lucky goal. This is the, the, the typical goal we're used to seeing lately from the Ducks where Lindholm takes a point shot. It's tipped by Nick Ritchie. And then hits Andre Kasha in the leg, bounces down, and goes past Aiden Hill. This is what we've seen. These are the goals we've seen in the last four games. The pinball not goal. The, the, yeah, not the like the first two where they're actually nice, well set up plays. This is the goal we're used to saying. I thought Nick Ritchie scored it first, 
But, of course, the way Andre Cash has been playing, of course it's going to hit him in the leg and go in. Yeah. I mean, that was on the other end of the ice. I didn't get a great view of it until I saw it on the Jumbotron. You see the puck just dink, and there was just no way that Aiden Hill had any sort of chance on that one. But So Andre Kasha gets his second goal of the game. I mean, dude, he doesn't care how they go in, right? He wouldn't have cared nope. if it didn't hit him, but he's going to get credit for it. So that just moves him up, uh, you know, with how many games has he played? I should have had that 20 ready. Something. He's, played, he's played 20-something, and I probably ruined his hat-trick last night because I said, oh, he looks like he's going to score a hat-trick. You and everyone else at the game last night, get a hatchery, Kasha. People were yelling that. I was like, dude. He looked like it, though. Like, he he even after that, that second goal, he was buzzing. I mean, he was buzzing all night, but he looked like he was going to score. Uh, he's got 11 goals in 22 games. Dang. Yeah. And no, he's killing points. it, man. He's absolutely and, and killing it. Hadn't got a point in the last three games because nobody really got a point in the last three games for the Ducks. Uh, comes out in a big way. But uh, a minute 40 later, uh, Nick Cousins makes up for his misplay that led to the Ducks goal early in the first period. Good God. And uh, he converts a uh, – what I thought at first was a two-on-one and one I wrote in here, but it was just a cross-crease feed from Lawson Kraus. And Josh Manson just isn't there. He just isn't watching Cousins on the far side. And, again, nothing Gibby can do. He throws it into an open net, and uh, the Coyotes cut the lead to one. That That was the backbreaker for me. Right, that's it. Yeah. That's where I kind of felt they're just going to come along here and make a play, and it just that was a brutal turnover though from Larson. He whiffs on the puck on that play, and there's just I don't know. I mean, yeah, Manson should have had his guy, but that's a controlled exit. That's yeah. a controlled exit, and sure, Manson loses Cousins on the side, but I don't think Manson had any clue that that Larson was going to whiff on that and and yeah. cause that sort of breakdown of the defensive zone. That's a tough, tough goal. I, yeah, I, I think Manson at that point is probably, like you said, thinking Larson's going to clear the puck and is thinking about either going for a change or just going up and, and joining the rush or, or and any any form of that. But, yeah, it, it's a bit of both. I think, yeah, he gets caught maybe thinking too far ahead. Um, and, and isn't really in position then to cover uh, Cousins after that. But, yeah, the, the main part of this play, I think, goes on Jakob Larson, who did not have a, a great game tonight. He was okay, if you look at the numbers, playing with Josh Manson, but he made a couple costly plays, and obviously this one led to a goal. Uh, but 39 seconds later, the Ducks blow their two-goal lead, and Jacob Chikrin blasts a one-timer past John Ugh. Gibson. Again, really, not uh, just... Not one he could really get a hold of. This was a blast. I don't think he was ever going to get this. Not really much of a screen. A couple guys in front, uh, but he wasn't touching this one. This this was just a rocket. Yeah, there's not much he's going to do there. And honestly, I went back and I watched the the Cousins goal, the, the one before this. That was a uh, that was ticketed. That went far side. Uh, I didn't notice that during the game, but I went back and watched the highlight clip of it, and I was like, oh. He legit, <laughs> not much he could have done about that, especially with the, it was just totally unexpected, you know? So I think but, Gibby thought it was going to go short side because normally that's what you would expect. And he, he probably would have got a piece of it if it went short side, but he had committed so far, which obviously you're going to do on that play that I don't know if Cousins meant to, because he's not really a guy that you would think to make that type of play, like a smart hockey play to snipe the, t- the far side because Gibson committed so far to the, to the short side, but either if he meant it or he didn't mean it, it was a great shot. Yeah, and if moving on to this next one from Chicker, and there was no chance for John Gibson, but the problem all starts when 
the Ducks get caught in their own end, right? They get caught in their own end on this play. And the disappointing thing is, is they all collapse below the faceoff dots. All the forwards are below yeah. the faceoff dots. And by the time that Daniel Sprong realizes he's way too deep and, and Chikrin's open, he just can't get to Chikrin in time from that pass. And Chikrin already is following through on the shot as Sprong is leaping with his stick to try to get in the way. And that was a bomb. Gibby could see it. Uh, he wasn't screened at all. But that was just a shot that's just sometimes they beat you. And you can't you can't save them all, and it's a just a, a full on breakdown there from Anaheim's top line. Uh, they all got caught low, hanging around, looking at the puck, puck watching for sure. They were all in front of the crease at one point. I was like, "What are you guys doing?" Yeah, and and despite two nothing, three one, and four two leads, they're tied at the end of the second period. They didn't get a good chance on the power play. Ryan Kessler was alone in the slot. I thought for sure he was going to break the gold drought while you were at the game. And at least <laughs> I would have some type of consolation prize that he did that. But he gets absolutely robbed by Aiden Hill. It's a great save. Like, not a perfect shot from Kessler because he does kind of throw it in to Aiden Hill, but Hill does have to go into the puck to make the save. He tried to go high Kessler, short side, right? Yeah, Kessler's yeah. best chance that he's had in a while. Um, maybe not the guy you'd want in that situation to be just shooting the puck in, in the middle of the slot the way Kessler's been playing lately. But... Still, you can't take anything away from that save. No, it was a good save, and it was just an opportunity for the Ducks to regain the lead there, and unfortunately they weren't able to do so. And I don't know, man. It's it, it's, uh, it's disappointing, but at the same time, you can't walk through these teams and and just expect them to, to play it safe, you know, or that they're going to be a pushover team. And just a, two breakdowns, two legit breakdowns by the Ducks. And it, it cost them the game. And two two breakdowns in less than a minute cost yeah. them the game. That that was that was the end of the game right there. Say what you yeah. want about the overtime, but that that right there blew the game. Yeah, goals thirty nine seconds apart for the Coyotes, and the first one that brought the game to four three was a minute forty after the Ducks made it four two. Not a great way to finish that period. Uh, the third period, not much really went on early on. Mansion just crushes Ekman Larson. <laughs> oh yeah, he uh, made a the big boards. hit. Which we haven't seen from Josh Manson in a while, where normally you're used to him every other game laying the body and making a big hit like that, which is nice to see from him because I think it, he, despite what I said was was partially his fault on one of the goals, he played a pretty good game tonight. And Manson, Manson played a hell of a game, and he was involved physically. Uh, yeah, on that Cousins goal, I guess he kind of got lost, but uh, that, was, that mistake was all started by, by Jacob Larson there. So that was maybe the only mistake on his night. And other yeah. than that, he was physical. I know he tried to kill Kempe. He went after him. Um, I think that was his name on the Coyotes. I got the right player. Is it? Is it Kempe? Yeah. Am, I, am I losing my Mar- mind? Here? Mario. Yeah, Mario Kempe. Yeah, I'm not Adrian Kempe. Adrian. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I was thinking there for a minute. But he went after him a few times, scrum in front of the net. Uh, so you knew there was some physical play. And Manson's been trying to fight, and so is Nick Ritchie. I feel like the past several games, they've been trying to look for somebody to go with. To probably to spark the team, honestly. I mean, yeah. And you could also look at this too, Eddie. Before we get to the to overtime, is well, going one for five on the power play. They had five chances to score with the extra man, including a five on three. And did you see they used they used the uh, the two men below uh, below yeah, <laughs> below the goal line? I want to talk about that later because I liked it, but I feel like they did that because it was five on three. But that's, that's it. yeah, we'll get to that in a bit. Then let's let's get through the game. We can definitely talk about that because uh, I saw that I was like, oh shit, oh shit, they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I it would be nice, but uh, but to finish off the third, 
Lindholm makes a nice move to get around one of the Coyotes players and fires a shot, which the broadcast said, which you didn't like, said that Aiden Hill robbed him. But he really did. like, dude. He, he fired it into the glove, and then Aiden Hill did the the thing with his glove <laughs> to make it look like he actually made a better save than he did. I mean, great positional save from Hill, but uh, Lindholm does fire it right into the glove. Yeah, he, he, he didn't get enough on it to go high. He, I don't think he expected that turnover in the Coyote zone, too. And it was almost, he had to shoot almost from in his feet. And we all know the best player to shoot from in their feet on the Ducks is Ryan Getzloff. Getzloff might have been able to wire that. But, uh, yeah. I mean, just the, the way it goes. And, and uh, it was actually the Coyotes broadcast that I heard the, that clip from. So so shame on them um, for being too homer. You know what I mean? <laughs> They need something with Auntie Ronta not playing well. But uh, last big play of the third period came in what probably should have been a Coyotes goal, but it wasn't conclusive enough to to say that it was. It that was puck was in scramble. the net, man. Yeah, Matt scramble in front of John Gibson. Um, somehow he kept it out, but I don't think he really did because you you look at the play, he makes two really good saves. A toe save on the line, another pad save. But then somebody jams the puck i think it was christian fisher yeah and you watch both 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 of his pads about a half of each pad go into the net the puck disappears and then all of a sudden his pads come out and the puck comes out with his pads and then it gets cleared you don't see the puck at all so you can't i you know i know coyote's fans were upset and i saw some coyote's fans upset on twitter the the puck or the play on the ice was no goal. Or they needed, yeah. they they just continued playing. There was no call on the ice. You wouldn't need to see the the full puck cross the line to get any conclusive evidence to say that was a goal. So I get you know the play makes sense. It was a good call to say that it was no goal, but the puck probably did cross the line. We can't say it did or it didn't, but you look at the fact that the puck was in his pads. His pads crossed the line. The puck was probably in. So the Ducks get away with it there because this was late in the third. They end up getting a point from this game that maybe they didn't deserve. Probably. I mean, I don't think they deserve the point at the end of the day. Um, they probably lost this game in the third period there. Christian Fisher was pissed because Brandon Montour yeah. is a – he's not a small guy, but NHL size, I guess he is. Um, and he's up against a bigger man with Fisher, and he's trying to cross-check him at the side of the net. And he ends up just wrapping his arm around Fisher's neck and just taking him down on the side of the net. And Fisher's pissed and pointing up at the referee. That was great. I remember watching uh, that last night in front of us. So interesting play there for the Coyotes. They probably should have had a goal there. I didn't see the the uh, the review of it. They weren't really showing a great angle on the jumbotron. So and the play did go under review. But like you said, it was inconclusive, and you know the NHL does that whole thing where I mean I forget what player it was, um, but there was like there's been many times where the puck has been gloved by a goalie, and it's kind of gone. You can't see where the puck went in because only part of the glove's over. And I'm like, give me a break. It's in the yeah. freaking net, man. So yeah, Ducks get away with one there for sure to preserve the extra point. That, that's essentially what they did. Yeah, and then we go to overtime where the Ducks have not been as bad as they used to be. It's kind of a mixed bag in what we're going to see in overtime. At least you're somewhat excited now when the Ducks go to overtime because you, you, at least you know they're not going to lose all the time. But Unfortunate, man. Yeah, they, they get a chance going the other way. Henrik loses the puck along the boards. Andre Kasha, I didn't even see why, and I tried to check the replay, but it was just after this. He was on his knees, so he fell down at some point, and that allows the Coyotes to get a two-on-one, probably the two worst players to give a two-on-one to. You get Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz going the other way. 
And unfortunately, the way they're up going up the ice set up perfectly for a two-on-one pass for a one-timer from Schmaltz. You got the righty on the left side and the lefty and Schmaltz on the right side, or lefty and Keller on the on the right side. And this was a great play from Clayton Keller. Fakes the shot twice. Comple- I haven't seen John Gibson freeze this much. I don't think ever at the top completely. of his crease. Yeah, yeah, just completely freezes him. John Gibson doesn't even move until uh, Schmaltz shoots the puck. Keller passes the puck, and John Gibson doesn't move because he thought Clayton Keller was going to shoot 100% the whole way. No doubt in his mind he thought Clayton Keller was going to shoot or deke. And uh, Lindholm does the best he can to try and block that that pass. And all Schmaltz has to do is, is throw it into an empty net. The, the only thing in the net at that point was half of John Gibson's stick, which is really all he could get over there. Yeah, Gibson got up and waved his hands in the air. He was not happy about the end of that game. Um, and then some a-hole on Ducks Nation decides to pop in on Facebook and say that Hampus Lindholm is clearly the Ducks' <laughs> fourth or fifth best defenseman. I'm like, bro, <laughs> I don't know what you wanted to do on that play. He has to respect that Clayton Keller is going to shoot the puck. Uh, and, yeah, a lot of times goalies are going to tell you, like, hey, you take the other man and I'll take the shooter. But it's tough in that situation because you have to respect both players on the ice at that time. It's three on three. Um, if Hampus intercepts that puck, it's a fast break two on one the other way too. So he's going to try to get his stick on the puck in that situation. It's, you have to play three on three differently than you play five on five. And, and that's what people don't understand uh, when they look at plays like this and they want to single out a, an individual player. Um, and hey, I, everyone knows that Hampus is my boy and that I always defend the guy. But I've been on him the past several uh, several weeks with how his plays kind of dipped a bit. But in this situation, man, it's just a two-on-one. It was a perfectly executed pass. It was perfectly executed, um, you know, by Clayton Keller to show that he was holding his stick open face, which is constantly leaving room for the shot. Gibby has to respect that comes to the top of the crease. But they all bit on it. Everyone bit on it. And just an unfortunate end to a game that uh, the Ducks probably could have had uh, had they not had a, a brain fart for 40 seconds in the second period. Yeah, it's tough. And, you know, definitely thought they probably could have won this game. And now it's five straight losses after winning nine of the last ten previously where things started to seem like they were going to get better. The goals were coming. We get four straight games before this one where the Ducks couldn't get anything going offensively. Like we said before, they scored four goals in those four games. The goals come in this game, but of course it's the defense this time that is the problem. The Ducks end up dropping five four in overtime. They pick up a point, sure, but uh, that you know with the Stars winning last night, I believe they or they either leapfrog or the Ducks are still one point in front of them in the wild card spot. But they're losing ground in the standings now, which is a tough one. How, what are they going to do to turn this around? I mean, what what's like is Fowler coming back going to help? Because he seems like he's close. Raquel will should be here in the next couple of weeks. Is that going to help? Well, I mean, thank God we have the Christmas break here to uh, to recoup and re- get rejuvenated, right? <laughs> yeah, right. This was supposed to be up. that game. This was yeah. supposed to be the game. They had four days off. Um, they were supposed to come into the to, to the game on Saturday night uh, refreshed, rejuvenated, ready to take on the Coyotes, who are not a good team. And they just showed that, yeah, we can score goals against bad teams, but our defense is just out of sorts at times. Uh, and, and it's tough to blame Gibby. So what? Gibby didn't didn't play like a Vesna winning goaltender tonight? What are you going to do? A- everyone has games like this. So... Yeah. When when your goaltender is playing league average, you need to tighten things up defensively. 
and they had two horrible shifts back-to-back in the cost in the game. You look at that 40 seconds plus Gibby's misplay along the boards, that was the entire game. That second period was awful, just awful in the second period. And, and Gibby wasn't that bad, honestly. No, uh, he wasn't. A lot of the goals were in the open net. You look at Cousins' goal. That's a cross-crease pass. Gibby's got to make the choice to whether he's going to stay in the middle or go to the short side. He goes for the percentage play, goes short side, and Cousins makes a great play to snipe the far side. Not, nothing you can do on that one. The OT goal, two-on-one. Nah, against two, the best the, player. Two of the most dangerous players on the Coyotes' offense. Open net goal. Nothing you can do. Keller does freeze him. That's a bit on him, but still, you got to play either shot or pass there. He plays shot, and he ends up he ends up losing out on that one. Chick runs slap shot. Nobody stopping that. That was ticketed for the top corner. Blast from, from Jacob Chikrin. You can't get that one. No, I mean, it, it's just tough. And even Ekman Larson's goal on the power play, uh, Hampus Lindholm is, is screening him in front of the net. Yep. I mean, it, it's tough. I don't think it was a bad game from Gibby. Of course, you look at five goals on 30 shots for the Coyotes. That's going to hurt his percentages a bit. But it's not a typical goal when you look at a goalie letting in five goals and saying, oh, he had a bad night. I, I don't think it was all on John Gibson. Well, hey, now, now they got to turn this losing streak around uh, against one of the best teams in the league tomorrow. They're facing yeah, the Tampa exactly. Bay Lightning. They're not, they're not playing another garbage team. Uh, they're yeah, playing the and top Nikita team Kucherov in the league. Nikita Kucherov has been unreal. I think he was over two points per game in the month of December. Yeah, he's he killing it. he picked up a couple more points the other night and a 6-5 win for, the, for Tampa Bay over Montreal last night. So that's not going to be easy. No, that's a tough task. Uh, what do you want to get to here in the post game? I know we don't have any questions because we didn't do a live show last night. So, what do you want to get to here? Let's get back to the power play thing you were talking about. So, if if you guys didn't see this, if you're not, if you haven't been watching the World Juniors, um, this kind of sparked the discussion for us because Switzerland had a, I guess it was a five on four against Canada and a, and a five on three at one point. and they set up behind the net with a two man behind the net instead of two men at the point. And uh, they ended up scoring on the play, and it was something I hadn't really seen before. I don't think it's new. I think teams have done it in the past, but it's not really utilized that much. And then the reason it, it's relevant now is we saw the Ducks do that on their 5-on-3, which is more common. I guess you see it more often, 5-on-3, because you can get those cross-crease passes, and it's more beneficial to have two guys behind the net trying to make that pass out front. Uh, but it was nice to see the Ducks doing that. Whether they utilize it in a five-on-four, we didn't see that at all last night. But maybe they'll do it more often. It would be nice to see. I think it's easier on on bigger ice, for sure. Yes. And I also yeah. feel like it's most effective in the NHL, probably where we saw it, on a five-on-three. And yeah. a shots from behind, like passes from behind the net to guys in front generally have a higher p- uh, potential of going into the net simply because the goaltender has to react to a play he can't see develop behind the net. So those are obvious things that uh, I find it very hard to, to understand why more teams don't do this because it just makes more sense. I feel like this this type of setup on the 5-on-3 makes the most sense. Um, it's good to see the Ducks actually utilizing it. Uh, let's just see them convert on these plays, right? Because at one point, it got yeah. so frustrating to see them keep trying to do... They did, they did the box with the guy in front of the net. And all they're trying to do is, is screen the goalie for a point shot, which everyone can see coming. Or they're trying to do that cross-crease tap-in play, which everyone sees coming too nowadays. It's not like there's any mystery involved in how you score on a 5-on-3. So maybe they should have tried to, to mix things up a little more and do this uh, behind-the-net play because it works. It would be nice. And, you know, 
either they do that or they utilize maybe Daniel Sprong a bit more, which kind of gets into our second topic, is Daniel Sprong got the only power play goal in this game. Looked dangerous. He, We know he has the shot. We've seen it. His mm-hmm. first goal, he ripped it. I forget what team they were playing. Was it? I don't think it was Pittsburgh, but or maybe it, was it Vegas? I don't know. Whoever. He ripped it over the top corner, over the goalie's shoulder from the red line. You know he's got the shot, and he wired it on a, on a one-timer on the power play. Does he deserve to maybe be on the top unit and maybe be the trigger man that we've kind of said Brandon Montour or Ricardo Kell should be? Yeah, I mean, we'll see, right? He had a bomb of a shot, like he said, so maybe there's another option here now. Um, I still think Monty should get the chance there. I mean, Monty's got the shot, and he can play D, so if that puck wraps around, he misses, he can probably get back in time to play defense, hopefully. Um, But, yeah, I would would still like to see Monty utilized more often from that circle. Listen, Sprong would be better than Ryan Kessler at this point on the first unit. (laughs) I don't know. At one point... They're trying to get Kessler a goal. (laughs) You know who we saw on the power play at one point last night? Who's that? Carter Rowney was on the power play at one point with Ryan Kessler on the same unit. So I I, I don't know what they're doing. Uh, Yeah, Rowney played okay. He's played pretty good, but he's not a guy you you don't want to reward that with power play time. Tough times in Anaheim, Eddie. Yeah, I I don't know. I would love to see Sprague on that top unit, at least give him a chance. He's played on the top line. At times, he played on the top line tonight. I believe it was Geslap, uh, Aberg, and Sprague who were playing together. So mm. we'll see. We'll see if he does. I don't know. I think he deserves it. He's uh, scored his first goal, like you said, that wasn't from a ridiculous angle. And uh, <laughs> it was on the power play, which is nice. That second unit looked better than the first unit tonight, just like the stuck second line looked better than the first line. And, and Nick Ritchie, Adam Henrique, and Andre Kasha were easily the Ducks' best line. Uh, Nick Ritchie had three assists. Uh, Adam Henrique had a goal and an assist, and Andre Kasha had two goals. Uh, they looked dominant again. Hopefully they can continue uh, the success we saw from them last year. Yeah, and They were just unbelievable. And even earlier this year, if they can put that kind of uh, – those performances together on a nightly basis and then finally if uh, when Raquel gets back or if Getzlaff can get some chemistry going with Aberg and, and uh, Sprong we'll see two consistent Ducks line scoring which definitely helped their odds oh they definitely need that they need that depth scoring um yeah and it's it's uh it kind of makes sense right now to why Andre Kasha hasn't been bumped back up to that top line I think that that Randy Carlisle and his staff see that this, you know, they need that depth, uh, depth scoring. So why not put Getzloff up with the, with with these guys that uh, he could feed the puck to, right? I mean, Sprong hasn't been yeah. terrible. Aberg hasn't been completely terrible, but he hasn't put a goal in. And uh, when was the last goal that Aberg scored? Oh, I don't After, know if it was that long ago. I actually think I'll, I'll see. Did if he, he score pretty recently? I just I don't remember. He just hasn't been on fire as much, and he's a really streaky. No. One-dimensional player. So, yeah, so. Aberg's last goal was against the Rangers, and he's gone four games without a point. Okay, well, that's that's not saying a whole lot, considering this team has just played stinkers the last four games, five games yeah. now. So, But, I mean, it makes sense to have Kasha kind of spread the offense around. We all know he can play anywhere in this lineup, but uh, that just means the other lines need to chip in. If that line's the only one that can score, that's pretty disappointing. So, hopefully, with the return of... Uh, of Cam Fowler, we see some more help back on D, more stability, less of these brain farts for 40 seconds in back-to-back shifts. So, I don't know. We just got to see when they come back and how this how this uh, roster maneuvers around. But uh, they need to find a way to break out of the funk, and to do it against Tampa is going to be tough. It is, it is. But uh, I, one thing I want to talk about with Andre Kasha is, is, like we mentioned before, he's now got 11 goals and 7 assists in 22 games. So he's got 18 points in his first 22 games of the season. 
Uh, other than Ryan Getzlaff, probably been the Ducks' most dominant offensive threat. So he's scoring a goal every other game now with 42 games remaining. Can he get to 30? Because right now he's on pace to get 32 if he continues at this pace. It's, it's a pretty high pace to keep up, scoring a goal every other game. Uh, can he do it? I mean, he's shooting at a little over 14% right now. So That's not, that's not too high. No, that's, that's what high. I was going to say. It's not like he's at 18 or 19%, which is absurd. Uh, I think league average is, what, 8% or something like that. So it just shows he's more nine, of a, yeah. a dominant scorer, which is fine. Maybe it's a little inflated. But uh, I don't know, man. Maybe he's that special player that's able to do it. And if if he turns out to be that guy, Eddie, what a contract! Yeah, yeah, it's a Raquel type contract. If he, if he, I don't know, still if he's going to be a consistent thirty goal scorer. I think he has the talent and the drive to be a, a, a twenty goal scorer for sure for a long time. He just looks like that player, and, and no matter what, a consistent twenty goal scorer getting late in the seventh round is a steal. Oh, um, a seventh round hits, pick anywhere like that, yeah. Yeah, if he can score twenty consistently and hit thirty a couple a couple times in his career. Even better. Um, that's a tough pace to keep up for anybody. I would love to see him do it, but uh, he, he has to stay healthy for one for the rest of the 42 games to even get close to it. Um, he's still getting power play time. If he if he stays in the top six, which we would assume he does on either Adam Henrique's line or Ryan Getzloff's line, um, I could see him doing it. But, yeah, it, it's going to be tough. Um, in a full season, for sure. If he had a, played the first, what, he, he's missed how many games now? He's missed 18 games. If he played those first 18, he'd probably be close to 20 goals right now. Yeah. Uh, an, an extra nine goals. If you if you look at the pace, he would be at 20 right now if he played a, a full season at the same pace. And then we would be wondering if he could hit 40. So uh, I, I think he could do it, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see. He's got, he's got a long ways to go. So I have a couple of questions here that popped up because we do have people in Spreaker. Uh, Jimmy and Gordon Bombay have mentioned a couple of things here. I kind of want to address. Um, we kind of talked about this when we did our Seattle bonus show for Patreon. But uh, Gordon Mabe says, I heard people saying we need to play Comtois to protect him from the Seattle draft. This sounds like the opposite of my understanding. Can you guys elaborate? Yeah, from from what Eric Stevens said in his article, and I, I, I tend to go with that he knows what he's talking about, is uh, he said since Comtois didn't play the 11th game, which would count as a pro season, uh, he's not eligible to be picked up by Seattle in the expansion draft because his first pro season will be next year if he plays 11 games. It'll be it'll be next year with, with the Ducks. Uh, and then he won't be eligible to get picked up by Seattle. So I think that was some of the strategy there for the Ducks to send him back down. They knew that because they were going to and because they already had kept Steele in Lindstrom uh, and Troy Terry up for that many games, or Troy Terry's pro season started last year, but uh, that that they would have to not only protect those guys and, and as well as Max Jones, that if you let Maxim come to all play that one extra game, is it really worth now having to possibly protect him and losing one of those other young players? So it, it makes sense. That's my understanding to why he isn't going to be able to be eligible to get picked up by Seattle. But again, I'm just kind of going with what Eric Stevens says. I would assume he probably knows what he's talking about. Yeah, just to add a little bit further on this, cap-friendly, when I did my mock expansion draft on there before our show, I was able to go through and see how I wanted to pick who was available. Comtois is not even an option for you to protect, which means he's not eligible yeah. to be picked. So, and the, like the forwards that I, I selected, I mean, he wasn't on there at all. Some of the other young kids are, though. I mean, 
Troy Terry, Isaac Lundestrom is, Sam Steele is, Max Jones available. So you have to look at other young guys to, to protect them. But uh, if you guys haven't heard that yet, you should go check out our Patreon. And uh, it kicks us a little bit of cash. But then we also do these cool bonus shows um, and are able to, uh, to elaborate further on. We do four of them a month. So that was a great question there from Bombay for those of you who don't know about how that Seattle draft's going to work. So, yeah, Comtois is safe. Don't have to worry about Captain Canada here in World Juniors, who's lighting it up, by the way. Um, and then uh, I think – what else I want to say here? Oh, Jimmy has a uh, has a, a bold prediction for tomorrow that we beat Tampa 2-0 and Kessler scores dot, dot, dot on the power play. Not happening. That is not happening. That would be tough. <laughs> 2 nothing against one of the best offensive teams where Andre Vasilevsky is probably playing. Um, if he if he does that, he he deserves another picture of Ryan Kessler, I think. Oh, I'll get him a bigger <laughs> one. I could get him a bigger yeah. picture of Ryan Kessler. Just a giant wall poster. And then you have to go get it signed by Ryan Kessler after the game. <laughs> I would, uh, I, I I'm, I'm probably going to, next FanFest, bring a bunch of those ESPN the magazine photos of Ryan Kessler and hand them out to people. <laughs> Yeah, just like the guy who was giving you Ryan uh, Ryan Miller photos, you can just be the oh, guy who hands that's my uh, my prize possession. My prize possession. I'm getting this frame this weekend. Oh, so happy about this! Despite the fact that it didn't turn into a gold medal because of the golden goal, Sidney Crosby, but uh, still a beautiful photo there of Ryan Miller and he signed it. Um, before we wrap, dude, I got to give a shout out uh, to Jimmy again. Jimmy gave me a autographed John Gibson puck which was cool. He gave me that because I couldn't, uh, we didn't have time to sit in the Gibson line when you were down here. We went to FanFest. So he gave me that. Um, and you can check out our photo on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter of Jimmy and I standing in front of Noble, which is a, uh, a craft brewery place next to the Honda Center. But uh, he's holding his Ryan Kessler picture up, which uh, I wish it was signed because that was amazing. I, I, <laughs> I thought that was so good. But uh, if you would like to win a picture of Ryan Kessler, um, <laughs> there is a possibility this year because I'm sure we'll do this uh, the game show over and over again. But that's for our Patreon people that get selected to come on and do that. But maybe we'll do a random giveaway for everybody who listens. So that'll be fun too. Um, and then also to Katie, I met up with Katie at the Ducks game as well. I gave her uh, her Ryan Miller puck, so she was pretty stoked on that. Talked with her for a second last night. Uh, she just shout out to us about you know us give, doing all these giveaways. I'm like, yeah, we do a lot. So. If you guys haven't won anything yet, there's a good chance on you guys doing so. So just stay tuned with us here. The best one to do, though, is the Forever Mighty Three Stars, which is sponsored by CoolHockey.com. They sponsor our show. And what they do is we get to get a jersey to give away, and it's literally any jersey you want off their site. uh, And they'll customize it for you. So if you want an Andre Kasha jersey, you want a Lindholm jersey, or you want to commit a jersey foul and put your own damn last name and number on the back of a Ducks jersey, which I think is so ridiculous. You could also do that, um, but go to them and check it out. We have a we have a, uh, a promo code FM twenty. Get twenty percent off your purchase there, or you could just keep up with our Forever Mighty Three Stars, which our good friend Eddie right here keeps track of uh, the 50, 60, 70 people that give us notifications every night. Um, and you could win a jersey. One game at the end of the left. Month. One game left in December. So if you, I mean, if you haven't entered before, probably too late to win this month. I would say guaranteed it's too late to win this month because uh, I think the leaders last time I checked had about seven or eight points. But make sure you get in for January because if you get in on the first game of January and participate throughout the entire month, you have a better chance of winning. The more games you participate, the better chance you have. It is only on Twitter. 
So you would have to check our Twitter account to get it. We post it 45 minutes before each game, generally, unless I'm late, which I usually am. So 45 to 30 <laughs> minutes before puck drop. And all you got to do is make three predictions. Every prediction you get right, you get a point. Whoever has the most points at the end of the month wins a jersey from Cool Hockey. So it's a pretty easy thing to enter. Oh, and tomorrow's going to be bonus question night because it's the end. We always do an yep. extra bonus question to get an extra point. So there'll be four points available tomorrow. So if you're close... Uh, if you're listening to this show and you know you're close to getting first place and winning that jersey, uh, make sure you you put in for to, to try to get that fourth point tomorrow night. But uh, yeah, and go ahead. No, I was gonna just gonna say that uh, make sure you actually enter tomorrow. I'm gonna be doing an update today. I know it's gonna be New Year's Eve tomorrow, so some people might miss it. But if you find out you're uh, close to leading uh, today when I post it out, make sure you get that entry in tomorrow to try and get those extra points. No, 100%. You have to do it. Uh, it's the last game of the of uh, basically what the year until we hit 2019. So that'll be a tough one again tomorrow night. Thank you everybody for tuning in today. Uh, sorry we didn't have a post game show last night. It's going to be the same thing for our game tomorrow. Everyone's partying tomorrow night. I can't imagine our listenership's going to be through the roof um, for a post game show on New Year's Eve. So we decided to uh, to do that with a hangover on uh, Tuesday morning. So January 1st will be the next show. Uh, we appreciate everybody uh, for chiming in, whether it's on any social media outlet, running into you guys at games. I ran into Keith uh, and his buddies at uh, Noble Ales last night and hung out with uh, with Jimmy and his wife last night as well uh, at Noble. So it's cool to run into to people listen to our show. We can't thank you guys enough. It's been a great start to 2018, and uh, we, we really appreciate you guys putting up with our tardiness at times. So things have happened here, but uh, we're going get our, to get our shit together for 2019, and we'll talk to you guys on Tuesday. Have a good one.